0: Hey, folks! Welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, this is a—it's not a special edition. It's not even an emergency podcast, although I guess we could say that. But that's—it's it's an that's probably appropriate and somebody somebody it's else's an overtime
1: shootout podcast. Sean, let's build it up. Come on,
0: let's just let's just let's just be real here. We recorded our regular podcast. We usually record that on Tuesdays. It drops Thursdays. We talked about Jim Harbaugh, but everything was up in the air. And as we speak right now. On uh, Wednesday night, right, Jim Harbaugh just announced he was staying. Well, he didn't announce it, but it was, it was announced, reported. It was reported he is staying at Michigan. Reported, and uh, did, uh did not, I don't want to say he didn't take the job of the Vikings because we don't know if he was offered the job, but uh, it's a pretty big deal. First of all, we got you out of bed. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean it's, and that's impressive because it's 8:50 it's 8:50 p.m. <laughs> and I see you're in your pajamas there which is that's fine I'm I'm glad you're doing that but uh, just
1: from the top up just from what you can see I'm in my pajamas.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's a big deal. I mean, he's 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 staying at Michigan. What what, what are your first thoughts?
1: My first thoughts are um, that we're not our poor listener is not going to be able to li- listen to the original version in which I was completely right. I had you flummoxed. I had you cornered. I had you backpedaling, Sean, wriggling in the crushing grip of reason once again. I was right. Nobody's going to. Only our producer Tad. He's the only one who knows the truth. And the truth is that I was right. That he should not. He, he needs to stay at Michigan, and I hope he stays there for a lot longer. I hope well, that's just an
0: opinion. What do you mean you were right? I was right. About My that. opinion oh, was right. He needs. He needs to stay at Michigan. You yeah. have how do you you have no idea if he was offered the job? Well, I mean, I'm I have no
1: idea. Nobody knows. He's never going di- to divulge that because the way that the offers work is is they're all in you know theoretical. Like if we offer you this much, you're going to take it, and then once they say, "Yeah, we'll take it," all right, now here's the offer. Magically, you know that's the only time you never hear people turning down offers. Okay. So he was probably no, they okay, probably okay. talked contract. He was the last guy to interview in that Vikings process. He was the last guy to come in and that usually signals that you save the best for last, right? That's what the the whole problem, that's not getting into the the Rooney I mean, rule thing. I
0: I don't know, timing, right? Sometimes it's you just know. timing. He was the only college he was the only college coach, right? He, they had to have a conversation with him to see if he was even interested. By the way, this is starting off like a Carlos column. It's all, oh, I was right. I was right. There's the I, I was right. We got, a, we got a few things to, um. God, I hate this phrase, but unpack it, right? We do. So yeah. go ahead, okay. unpack. No, no, no. I want you to unpack it with me. Let's, let's do this. Move in. Let's do this together. First of all, it was reported several days ago that if he got an offer, he was going to take it because he wanted to go to the NFL. So. He went back to Minnesota. This is The general manager there was familiar with him. Obviously, they worked together when they were in San Francisco. I don't know if he got an offer or not. I, I seriously doubt it was money. It, maybe it was over control. But let's just say, uh, I, I don't know what to assume. I don't want to speculate. because, and, and hopefully, it'll come out whether he got an offer or not. But you know, the fact is, he, he didn't go anywhere else other than the Minnesota, right? Right. And he told Ward Manuel, the athletic director, this is reported. Uh, this is reported that he's not going to. This isn't going to happen again. That he is there for as long as Michigan wants him. So what? So yeah. That no. That was reported in the in the Free Press. That
1: yeah. you know what? That's 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 worth as much as the the paper it's written on because it's there's just no way that if things are not circumstances can't change Ward manual might not leave they might get a different president or they will get a different president who sees things differently perhaps or he does something to fall out of favor or steven ross just throws too much or whoever the vikings or the next coaches that the or owner who is who might want him throw so much money so much opportunity and you never know sean i mean we know the pendulum swings right he hadn't up until this season uh, he had a foot out the door. You know, we talked about this before the beginning of the college season, that it looked like people were tired of Harbaugh. He hadn't gotten it done. He had a miserable year last year. And then he has this magical Lazarus-like, you know, return this year uh, exceeds everybody's expectations, you know, and I don't know, was this a bargaining chip? Did he, I, you know, is he going to get an offer? Would he have gotten an offer? I mean, I'm pretty, I'm willing to bet that he did get some kind of offer, like a theoretical understanding between, his agent and, you know, the ownership there, the Wilfs, um, and was like, if we offer you this much, if you have this much control, if I have all the different parameters and they couldn't come to, you know, agreement, you know, it's, he's not going to be he's not going to be Jim Harbaugh, one of the, the most decorated guys in the coaching cycle hiring cycle this off season for the NFL. And you're going to fly him in on a private jet and you're not going to offer him at least something.
0: What are they going to carry him in a wagon and then, and then get into a rowboat and cross Lake Michigan to get to Minnesota. Come on, man. The private jet doesn't have anything to do with <laughs> hovercraft. This. We, we, we don't know. We, we just don't. There's a lot. There, there, okay. Before we get to Michigan and what the fan base should think and what this means for Michigan, let me ask you this about just the larger context of what's going on in the NFL with the, with the lawsuit from Brian, Brian Flores. Right. Former coach of the Miami Dolphins, who is suing the NFL because he didn't feel like he got a fair shake at a couple of different spots. And his larger point. Right. About there aren't enough. Uh, there's not enough opportunity, especially second opportunities for for black coaches. Uh, it's a fair one. It, it's complete, right. So th- this this dropped what yesterday and yesterday would have been uh, sorry, Tuesday. So in that in that context, with with that, does Minnesota really want to go hire a um, you know fifty some year old white boy? <laughs> in, in, well, in in that in that context, no, well, seriously.
1: Well, it sounds like they're going to hire a thirty six year old white boy. Who, yeah, who I think has, you, yeah, they are. Know, so yeah, former Lions backup Kevin O'Connell, you know who. Probably, probably could it be could be your uh, gardener, Sean. Right? I mean, he's so young, and I think I think Matthew Stafford would admit to having actually met him, even though he's uh, the technically the offensive coordinator for the Rams. Um, Sean McVay runs that whole show. It's kind of that. That to me is a joke. That and, and you're right. I mean, they, and they did interview other uh, minority candidates. Um, yeah, the defensive coordinator of the Giants, right? Who's Who reportedly talked to them for nine hours? Nine hours. Wow. And I think did you see that? I did not see that, but I heard that. I thought it was um, – I'm
0: sorry, you were sleeping. But, yeah, <laughs> the, the nine freaking hours, man.
1: Yeah. And who was it who um, – Dave, Dave Burkett, um wrote about uh, – the? I think it was Deuce Staley, the Lions assistant head coach, running backs coach. I think, I think he interviewed – oh, I forget which team it was that he interviewed with, and it was like six hours. I think it was Denver last year maybe or something, or this year. It was this year. It would have been this year. And I think it was like six hours of interviews, and you know, and the whole question is: Are these interviews shams just to accommodate and to fulfill the Rooney Rule, which states you have to interview at least one minority candidate? And I think that the, the, one of the big problems with the Rooney Rule to me is what you see time and time again whenever there's a coaching coaches opening is the minority candidate is always one of the very first candidates. Like, let's check that box and get like it out of the Chicago, way. Like Chicago, right? Like with Chicago, Caldwell, with Jim Caldwell. right? And that's what happens, and you know it's 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 unfortunate. And you have guys like that, like I think Dave talked to to um, to two of the guys who've been getting uh, attention from the Lions, Deuce Staley and uh, Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator. Um, And you know they don't want to name names, they don't want to like you know rock the boat right now because they're still viable candidates, you know. But they, I think it was Deuce who maybe said that, yeah, there's guys out there who probably should be getting looks who've been coaches for a long time he didn't say anybody's name but I think like someone like Eric Biennemi the Chiefs offensive coordinator someone that has this, constantly his name's been, come
0: up the last since it always yeah, since it, they've been in the Super Bowl it right? always comes Basically. up
1: it always comes up and and I think do I think Biennemi is a guy who's balked he said I'm not going to interview because if he probably does feel there are sham interviews unless I have a legitimate chance to get this job I'm not even going to go out there and you know, pretend just to fulfill a requirement. So
0: Patrick Graham, by the way, is a defensive coordinator for the Giants, who spoke, who spent nine hours reportedly nine hours with the with, the, with Minnesota Vikings general manager and ownership, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Or maybe I don't know about ownership, but with the with the front office, yeah. And the folks that lead that organization so, nine it, hours, and then they hire a guy named O'Donnell.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and that's that's the thing, right? Someone I mean, and they had to go fly to L.A. to interview him, you know, before the Super Bowl. Yeah, and,
0: right. So, 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 obviously, the, the the lawsuit to me had nothing to do with this. So maybe maybe they just weren't comfortable with Harbaugh or or whatever. I don't know. I guess on some level it doesn't matter. But let me ask you this, Carlos: Do you feel like now that he went out and interviewed, it's the first time he's actually done that since he's been a Michigan head coach? He's been associated, you know, mostly it's just been rumor or whatever. There has been that the Michigan Athletic Department knew this. The, the, the administration, the university knew this. I mean, it's been going on for a while. It didn't happen last year because of the two wins. But, but do you think it's finally done? I mean, he went out, he had this interview. I, you know, we, we don't know if he was offered or not, but he came back and said, look, I want to stay at Michigan. Do you think he's uh, done sort of trying to scratch that itch? Well, um, maybe, but, like, you know, you can't control itches.
1: That's the problem, right? I mean, you can't just say, oh, don't be itchy. Um, a little lotion. A little lotion. That's all we need, really, is some is blue L- wall lotion. lotion. Um, you know, that. Uh, I, you know, Sean, it's all circumstance. I'm, how old is he now? 70, uh, 57, or 58? I think so. Okay, so you figure he probably isn't going to coach forever after you get into your, you know, close to your mid-60s. I don't know how much of a hot candidate you can be considered unless you're someone like a Nick Saban or whatever, but... Uh, I would think this is it. You would think he's, he'd want to finish it out. You think they're going to give him some big contract extension, some big, we're going to lock you up forever, Mel Tucker style deal, whatever. Um, you, I think that's the right thing. I think his legacy really belongs with Michigan and how far he can take the Wolverines and maybe get back and win a championship, do something, become like an Ohio State, you know, start competing with the big boys. But I hope so. I mean, what do you think? Do you think he's going to, is he locked up forever or is he going to get itchy? I don't know anything? about,
0: I don't know about forever. I mean, you know, that's not been his, his pattern, but I bet he'll stay for a little while. I mean, if he, if he keeps having a lot of success, then maybe the NFL will make another run at him and it, it will be right. But I, I don't, at the very least, I don't, I, I don't think it's going to be a year to year thing. I mean, I guess you just never know. I think it's good for Michigan, um, obviously. You know, and a lot lot was made uh, around these parts that that this interview, Harbaugh's interview happened uh, yesterday. Um, Wednesday. uh, Yeah, Wednesday. Wednesday. Can I say Wednesday? Well, people are going to be listening to this on Thursday. Come on, don't confuse the (laughs) issue. But that that it was National Signing Day, right? Right. And we were even criticized to some degree by Michigan State fans for not making a bigger deal of it because Tucker got some heat. With the way he left Colorado and came to Michigan State, and then and then some gave him a little bit of heat. I don't know exactly how much uh, when LSU's when those rumors were going on, right? So I, I don't know. I, I never thought it was that big a deal. It was national signing day. I mean, Minnesota, that was he was on Minnesota's timetable. He was interested in the NFL, and that's just the way it was. But I overall, I, you know, I'm sure there's some fans that are a little leery. But if he comes back and starts winning again, man, that's you know everybody's got short memories.
1: Let me ask you this: I mean, I I mean, one thing about that signing thing is that you do have to look at the disparity between when he first got to Michigan and they had those big signing of the stars productions and brought in all these guys, the Tom Brady's and the big extravaganza, and obviously that petered out over time. But I think that's also kind of indicative of. You know, maybe the blooms off the rose a little bit. Maybe it's a little like, well, we've been there. We've done that. You know, some of this is a little bit old hat. And obviously now they're not doing things in person. So you can't have this
0: big, you know, whatever party thing. Right. With COVID. By the way, he signed a top 10 class. Yeah, absolutely. This, you know, and that's. That was boosted by that late run. Yeah. I mean, not by the late run, but boosted late by that yeah, run. And that's
1: great. And to I, the and Orange Bowl. I, yeah. let me, but let me ask you this. You said if he has success, what is what is viable success? And, you know, for what's what's acceptable success? Success. Realistic, acceptable success for Harbaugh, for the fan base, for the administration. What, what do you think? The, the minimum to consider it, you know, like he's having good seasons.
0: I mean, I, I think the fan base, you know, wants, wants the Ohio State game to be for to be a spot in the Big Ten title game. You know, maybe not every single year, but, you know, three out of four years. I mean, the, the, I don't know if that's realistic. Obviously, that... <laughs> I mean that that he has played for that a couple times. I mean he, he's beaten him just the once this past uh, November. But but yeah, to me, you know, anything beyond that would be gravy, maybe. But uh, I don't know it's uh, it's it's a lot to think about Carlos right it, it, it really is and I, I think that's one of the things that we talked about earlier
1: uh, we've talked about him in the past with Harbaugh and the NFL and and even though I know you made a big you know uh, you know you, you made your big socialist push in your column the other day about uh, you know equality and it's a fair playing field in the NFL and all this stuff and it's not fair in college that you know the, the playing field is tilted Um. I think that at the end of the day, it's easier to win in college. I mean, really, you're talking, and I, I think I, I agree with you. I think beating Ohio State sometimes, getting into the Big Ten championship, beating Michigan State sometimes—that's not that threshold is not super
0: hard to meet, you know. No, but 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 winning winning big, like winning, you know, compete for national championships is much harder in college. But I get it. You like totalitarianism. <laughs> you, you you don't like anything kind of. You know, I, I, I like a strong it. man coach, coach man, Sean. You do, you do. You, I, th- I think we've we've taken up an, enough of Tad's time, and I think we need to uh, let this roll into the uh, the regular, the rest of the show, which we which was previously recorded. Uh, it's funny because this is obviously previously recorded, but uh, so is the rest of the show, where we get into. Um, well, we bring in the great Omari Sankofa, our uh, our Pistons beat writer. We talk about the trade deadline. We're gonna we're gonna have uh, some good discussions on that and the Pistons and Cade Cunningham and then you shed a few tears over Tom Brady retiring and, uh, and you know the rest of the show there. So, but this isn't bad, man. You you did a good job for having just gotten out of bed. And oh, um, I appreciate that. I'm I'm, I'm, impre- I'm impressed. I appreciate that. And speaking of bed, I
1: think Todd's or Tad's uh, parents are coming to put him to bed pretty soon in his room. So he's he's been it's way past we his to, bedtime.
0: We need to let him go. We need to let him go and uh, and we need to uh, to get into the rest of the show here. Sean, Carlos, we have a, a very special guest today. Um, in fact, let me, let, me just, let me just set the table here. We, there, there's an editor, and he, I'm not going to mention his name, Marlo Alter, who's trying to micromanage this show and said, hey, why don't you have uh, Omari on, uh, Omari Sankofan, are really talented, I'm going to say young, sorry, Omar, but you're young, at least to us, uh, Pistons beat writer. And, you know, we've been wanting Omari on for a while. We're just kind of waiting for the right moment. But, you know, Marlo steps in, and then Kirkland Crawford, who, you know, helps produce this show and is a sports editor, he starts getting his hands in it. And they want to talk about the trade deadline, and that's fine. But you know what, Carlos, I want to be able to talk to Omari about what we want to talk about. You okay with that? Well,
1: you want to prove how smart you are about basketball. And I no, think Marlo no, and Kirk I, want to prove we actually have somebody who knows, not only knows basketball, but he actually goes to a game. So that, that's a refreshing view for you, Sean.
0: Okay, okay. No, it has nothing to do with that. I just want to let Mari roll. By the way, before we bring him in, he he had a great piece, I want to say yesterday, where he kind of broke down um, a, a lot about K, but just kind of looking at the team and the ball they've been playing and the, the run they – I don't want to say run, but – the month they just had in January um what'd they go Amari well I'll ask you that in a second but anyway they were close to 500 so uh we can have Amari talk about that and whatever else you know is that all right Carlos we don't have to follow anybody's rules no we do what we want we make our own rules okay sorry Marlo but that's just the way it is and when you turn 20 or 21 or whatever (laughs) then you can you know then maybe you can have a little more something to say all right let's bring Amari in how you doing man
2: I'm good. I'm good. Excited to excited to make by Carlos and Sean debut <laughs> right ahead of the busiest week of the, of the uh, season or what should be. So I'm ready to, to get rocking.
0: All right. Carlos has uh, has the first question for you, as always. Well, well, so,
1: OK, we we're going to be strong armed and asking about the trade deadline. So let's just get that out of the way. Right. That's what everybody's you know expecting next week, February 10th. Uh, uh, and so obviously the big prize, and I think it was actually in Blue chip report maybe called him like the grand prize was Jeremy Grant, right? He's the blue chip guy. He's the guy everybody expects to to move. Uh, maybe two first round picks, maybe it's maybe a first round and a and a young player with a lot of upside. I mean, wh- what are we going to get for is Jeremy Grant going to move and what are the Pistons going to get for him?
2: I think there's a good chance Jeremy Grant's moved. Um, and I think if the Pistons do move him, it'll be for a trade along the lines of that, because uh, the Pistons have been operating at an asset deficit almost since uh that 2020-21 season started uh you know they're still down the first round pick because of the Isaiah Stewart deal uh so yeah I mean I would expect them to do a deal that's going to bring back uh multiple big assets back and uh I guess the way I would characterize it is I think there are uh deals that would check the boxes for what the Pistons are looking for uh you know the question is more so you know if that offer is presented uh because you look at the league and the league hasn't been this deep since you know I've been watching basketball. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit older than 21, but you know, still, still pretty pretty young. So, I'm not gonna you know talk about how the league was in the you know 70s or 80s or you know, whenever you guys started watching, I'm not trying to age you or maybe I'm not anyway. <laughs> no, that's all
0: right, that's all right, man. You can age us all you want. Um,
2: but the parity across the league is is insane right now. You look at the east, the east is you know, nine or ten teams deep, and uh, you know, for most of my life, the east hasn't really been deeper than four or five teams. So, You have a lot of teams just looking to figure out if they can can pull ahead, you know, with the trade deadline coming up next week. And um, Jeremy Grant checks a lot of boxes. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, he's 27 years old. You know, he's a proven playoff performer. We saw him in Denver a couple of years ago, uh, you know, stepped up big for them. Uh, He's been good with the Pistons. You know, of course, he's only played. you know, around twenty-five, you know, games this season just because of the the thumb injury. But you know, teams know what he could do. You know, he's on a reasonable contract, uh, around twenty million per year through this season and next season. And you know, so that makes him the right mix of we know that he could come in and immediately play for us, and also he's on a deal that is not going to be tough to uh, make numbers match up to. So you know, I just you know, for the Pistons, it's uh it's got to be a deal that's worthwhile you know because of course they don't have to move him uh he has a good relationship with trey weaver and i don't expect they're going to move him just because a lot of teams want him. you know it's going to be a deal that makes sense so uh, that's kind of where it's at you know we still have to see what happens but uh i do think there are some uh potential packages out there that would get the business to budge
0: do you think it's strictly uh, i mean obviously they're gonna they're gonna move them more for they want assets in return i mean it's why it's why you make deals but but i also wonder um and I'm curious what you think of this. How, how much of us is it a coincidence that Cade Cunningham is playing his best ball this season during this time? Now you could argue that's just getting more reps as a rookie, right? And I would buy that, and because he missed training camp and so forth, and I would certainly argue that. But uh, just in general, he doesn't have to quite. I mean, uh, Jeremy Grant's been really good, but he, he can be a ball stopper, and um, you know, there's been a little bit more flow. And I hate to say that, you know, you don't be critical of a guy who's who was sort of their best player. Uh, in a way, but but what do you think about that? Him coming back and the flow that Cunningham is starting to get into.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's coincidental. I mean, you know Kate, and you know we saw what he did during the month of January, and you know we know why the Pistons draft him is because he's you know essentially an an engine type guy. You know he can do everything. He can get you a bucket if he did it. He can run the offense. Uh, you know he's a good defender. I mean he just does everything. And um, no, I don't think it's coincidental that you know Kate appeared to find his start a little bit more. Um, once, you know, Jeremy went down with that injury. Uh, I don't think that's entirely why Cade found his rhythm because he did begin to find it uh, before Jeremy went down. And some of that too was also the ankle injury he had during training camp that, you know, just kind of slowed his, uh, him adapting to the NBA. Um, But I think some of that scheme as well, uh, you just look at, you know, the way the Pistons use Jeremy and it's a lot of ISO, Um, you know, he's working off the low block a little bit. And Jeremy, you know, like, we, we, we know his game, you know, he's a stasher, he gets to the rim, uh, you know, he, he, he can space the floor and he's kind of been growing into this more uh, ISO score role. you know, which I think we've seen more mixed results with. Uh, but I think the biggest flaw to the partnership is that Jeremy is not a guy who's going to create for others as much. You know, he shows flashes of having that type of court vision, but that's not really his game. Um and I think the partnership can work like 100 percent I mean, you know, you can still put the ball in K's hands, you can still get, you know, Jeremy his shots, you know, you can stagger him if, if need be. And, you know, of course, Jeremy can can shoot. So he's a guy that could play off of K, you know, theoretically. Um, but no, I mean, I think, you know, you look at the last month and yeah, you K know, looked really good as a number one option. Uh, on some level, even if that may not make a Jeremy Grant trade more likely, it's gotta make you feel good as a front office to know that you know your number one pick can drive in that row.
0: Before before Carlos has his next question, I just want to follow up real quick with what you mentioned in there about Jeremy making plays for others. Just the the, the basketball geek in you, the uh, the basketball purist, or you know, the basketball f- fan. What did you like more the other night, the uh, the three quarter court bounce pass to Sadiq uh, Bay for a layup between traffic or in through traffic, or the step back three that he hit at the end? I mean, I think what the kind bounce of pass. It, it, the bounce pass for basketball porn? What are we talking about here? Yeah the bounce pass
2: yeah i gotta go with the bounce pass because the opportunities to do that just don't come up as much and then for him to sneak it through the defender the way he did uh it was kind of like uh it, it, was, it was i was like stafford you know but he would just have to like rocket a pass and you see that that window and he's just trying to sneak it in as fast as he can like that's kind of what it reminded me of and you only get so many opportunities to make those types of plays uh you know like we probably see a kate step back three uh you know every night or almost every night uh it's a pretty big part of this game but uh a, a three quarters of the court bounce pass is uh like that's just a hard play to do and he's had a couple of them this season so that's going to get the vote for me
0: hitting him in stride and i'll tell carlos just real quick not the date is carlos but uh when Chris Webber was a senior at country day, they, they, they were in the state playoffs and they played at Ypsilanti high. And there'd been so much, you remember how much the, the hype around him and the buildup, you know, the best player in the country, all that as a high schooler, me and a buddy went to say, all right, let's see what this is all about. We get to the game, a couple of possessions in, he grabs a rebound, takes a dribble and throws a three quarter court bounce pass. Just like Cade did the other night as a power forward. And we're looking at each other like, Oh, okay. Yeah, that's different. And that, you know, whenever that was 1990 or whatever, but, uh, it was shocking to see that the other night, and it reminded me of that. But yeah, well, the, here's the question about Cade is you know, I mean, I know he's a rookie and everything. And, you know, that's
1: that's understandable first year. But like, you know, what does he score eight and they lose against the Magic, and then he goes off against the Cavs, the triple dot like that? That kind of what what happens there sometimes. And I know you said earlier, obviously the the ankle thing may have you know set, kind of messed up his shot a little bit early in the season, but. But that wild swing, I mean, is that going to calm down just with more experience and more time on the court? Or what was the magic? What was the problem against the, you know, one of the worst teams in in the NBA and then rising up against one of the best teams in the NBA?
2: Yeah, I think it's just, you know, Cade's a rookie, 82 games, uh, you know, just finding a way to uh, summon that energy, you know, three, four nights a week, you know, I think is uh, you know tough for a lot of rookies. And, you know, Cade, I would say I would say more often than not, you're able to see him kind of problem solving in in, in real time. Uh, you know, like the Cavs, he was just missing shots he normally makes and uh you just gotta be able to shake it off and you know come out stronger and uh you know and 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 find your rhythm. Uh which we've seen him do a few times this season, you know, start off kind of code and then you know, all of a sudden he's you know double crossing somebody over to get to the rim or hitting a step back. Uh we've seen that a few times uh i think the biggest difference between the Cavs game and the magic game was that nobody else was able to step up and you know help k you know against orlando like he came out he missed shots he normally hits uh nobody else is able to kind of fill in the gaps and then the game just kind of runs away from you uh you know so k comes back in and um you know when you only have one guy that's capable of getting his own shot consistently and he's missing uh you know some nice you know you're just not gonna have it you know you're gonna score eight points and you're gonna lose you know, Orlando, as good as Cade was, really, you know, Frank Jackson was sort of the MVP of that game, too, because Cleveland opened that game up with a 15-0 run, and Frank came out, and I think he had 13 uh, in in the first quarter, and the Pistons, you know, they give up a 15-0 run to start, and they go into the second quarter, I think, with like a four or six-point deficit, and the the bench had, I believe, 29 of Detroit's first 32 points, so it was literally just the bench coming in, and Uh, you know setting the tone of the game and I think it was a lot easier for that just Kate but to come in after the team found some energy and momentum and then uh, you know the pressure on them isn't as big to just kind of come in and be heroes Kate can just come in and play his game he's not trying to force anything so the table was kind of set for Kate already before he you know before he went off in the second half and uh, you know when you're a young team and you just don't have pieces around them that's kind of you are going to have nights where you're losing to the, <laughs> the worst team in the NBA, unfortunately, because even though the defense is out to get January, there's still a rebuilding team. So it's just them learning and figuring how to solve those types of problems
1: but just one little follow up thing um just so Amari understands so this is not his first and last appearance if you if you mention stafford during any talk about basketball anything that's not lions football that's an automatic trigger for me and you're going to get kicked <laughs> off of the show so no no matthew stafford talk okay unless you're coming on to talk about lions and stafford or something
0: like that so so just just one warning okay uh, i thought i thought it was a a great analogy, Amari. And by the way, Staff- <laughs> Matthew Stafford's in the Super Bowl. Don't, don't Carlos. No, don't do don't that to him. Carlos, don't don't uh, do
1: that to Kay. Don't don't make Kay the next staffer. Don't do that, Sean. No, that's we're not, not talking
0: about it. We're, to, we're We're separating out skills to put uh, you know a, a football, basketball, whatever, into a tiny little space. And if that's a little bit too nuanced for you. By yeah. the way, speaking yeah. of nuance, thanks for playing into the anti-nuance by asking about the Orlando game and Kay's performance in that game because I wrote last week he was making a push for a rookie of the year. That's no breaking news. That's not a great observation on my part. But it came out the day they lost to Orlando, and then I started getting emails the next day saying, you know, criticizing me for kissing the butt of the Pistons and for Cade Cunningham. <laughs> and by the way, you hate America and you hate cops. I kid I kid you not, I got an email that linked all that together. And yeah. Omari knows exactly what I'm talking about with that because if you, I write about the NBA sometimes. Uh, let's just say – you know, certain people respond who don't like the NBA and they have to take it to those places.
2: Yeah, some people just it's just anger. It's just it is. you know, like the pistons pistons suck. <laughs> <The> Liberals suck. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, I guess, you know, yeah, there's a correlation, I guess. Though. I don't
0: know. <laughs> no, it's it's totally true. keeping it with Cave for a second, O'Mari, um, do you think he's starting to get the 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 acknowledgement, the respect a little bit for uh the way he's playing. Because there was a lot of there was a lot of pushback and almost glee at how he struggled early on. It was really interesting.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we saw uh, you know, I think it was Kat Sparker on uh, TNT the other week. Uh, you know, they showed all the the Jokic uh highlights and uh, you know, of course Kane had a, a great game. Uh, I think that was his thirty four eight and eight game. You know, she was like yeah, like let's talk about K. Like, why are we, you know, not talking about the number one pick who, you know, just had this great performance? And I think he wrote about that, Sean. Um, he wrote and- a whole
1: column based on one tweet. Yes, it was <laughs> it was a tour de force. It was amazing.
0: No, it wasn't really a tweet as much as a conversation on TNT uh, inside the NBA. But that's okay, you know. Uh, again, we're getting into nuance, Omari, and that's not really Carlos's thing. <laughs> <laughs> Carlos is more I I I I I. <laughs> no, it's, and, it's, the, and the and the Dodgers. That's and, not you know, true. <laughs> it's me
1: it's me me, not I I. That's true. And oh, and the Dodgers. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Omari. Continue. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, you know, but we also saw earlier this season uh, Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant and Kate have had a relationship for a bit. You know, and Kevin Durant gave Kate his props after. Kane stepped up and had some really good shots against, you know, the Brooklyn Nets, you know, Pistons lost that game, but, you know, kate did his part to uh, get the Pistons back at it late. Uh, you know, I think, you know, unless you're playing in a big market in the NBA, uh, unfortunately it takes, I think a lot of extra uh, to kind of, you know, burst into the limelight a bit. Uh, the only exception is if you're a guy like LaMelo Ball where, you know, you're just producing so many highlights that, you know, you the internet has no choice, but to, pay attention and you're on House of Highlights and you're in Peace Report every night. And Cade, you know, he has highlights, but that's not quite his game. Um, you know, so I think a lot of that's going to be correlated with how much the Pistons win over the next few years. I mean, you even look at a guy like John Morant, you know, like he's down there in Memphis. He's in the NBA smallest or, you know, like a, a bottom two market. And, uh, you know, like, you know, I I, I covered him as a, a rookie. Like he was electric as a rookie. You know, he has some highlights. But, you know, year three, I think we're just not really seeing him. Uh, you know, kind of burst into the limelight. And, you know, that's also been correlated with the Grizzlies becoming a Western Conference contender. Um, you know, unfortunately, that's how it goes. So we've seen Cade get his props here and there. But uh, overall, no, I don't, you know, I don't I don't think it's probably matched uh, the way he's, he's played so far.
0: Carlos, you want to ask him the question about what we talked about a month ago that you didn't want to touch? A month ago?
1: How
0: about Cade? K- oh, a few weeks ago, six weeks ago about Cade. And some of the lack of respect, as Kendrick No, Perkins I'm not touching that. Say, right? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to ask you, Amari, as Kendrick Perkins would say about Curry and, and Thompson? We, in fact, Amari and I had a I, we were part of a really fun conversation a, a while ago back at Little Caesars, but um where somebody said Grant Hill was the last great white player in America, which I thought was a total. <laughs> 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 no, that's so unfair. But it was it was said it was said in all good fun. No, but. But seriously, the, you know, Kendrick Perkins often refers to Thompson and Curry. Clay Thompson and Steph Curry is, you know, my light-skinned brothers out there, right? Do you think that that Cade has dealt with any about in terms of the expectation or how people – not expectation, but the perception of him? And you know, the, some of the stereotypes that go with that.
2: I don't think so as much just because Cade uh, – like I think some of that is just the way Cade came into the league. Like he, you know, played at Oklahoma State, so he wasn't at like – you know, a, a major program like a Kentucky or a Duke. So he wasn't really in the national conversation as much just beyond purely this guy is good. This guy is going to get drafted. Uh, you know, I think it also helps that, you know, K, you know, his game is just very, I'm looking for the right word because I don't want to make it sound like a negative, uh, but it's just very He's got like a workman game you know like he does a lot of things that are good that don't necessarily show up on the box sheet you know he's got the highlight passes here and there or like the step back threes but i feel like his game makes him less of a target for that type of criticism uh just because he's already extremely well-rounded and it's kind of hard to you know pick holes and 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 what he does like people will look at the efficiency and you know i think he only you know cracked 40 percent overall from the floor uh like maybe last week because he's been playing a lot better after that really cold start. Uh, But it's something that we might see, you know, down the road once he starts getting into the playoffs and there's more narratives surrounding him, not just as a person, but as a player as well. Uh, You know, right now, I think he's just a little bit too early in his career and hasn't really been in the spotlight quite like that to kind of get that type of criticism. But I'm sure he won't be spared once he gets to that point. though.
0: Did you notice Omari, when he had that? When he dropped the thirty-four eight and eight, uh, the some spots of corners of social media, people were comparing him to Larry Bird.
2: Yeah, no, I did see that. Yeah, and, it was uh, an
0: interesting comparison, and actually not a terrible one.
2: It's not a bad one. It's interesting because nobody ever compares anybody to Larry Bird, so <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like true, he's like the Bird. one guy nobody ever gets compared to. So <laughs> it's, no, it's true.
0: It's true. It's true. I'm
1: sorry, Carlos. Go ahead. Oh no, I, I my last question for Omari is um, just you know you're around the team all the time, right? And and I've covered the Lions for for a long time. It's just nothing but losing. Um, it's been a tough you know few years for the Pistons um you actually go to the games you go to the press conferences all that you know Sean, Sean doesn't you know bother to do that but he's there once in a while I guess but but when you're around the team what's the vibe around you know Dwayne Dwayne Casey and Cade and, and all these other players I mean uh, how do they deal with all that losing even though they're a little you wrote a good article about how they had a, a really good you know January um but up until now I mean it's generally been a lot just defeat after defeat how are they dealing with that?
2: I think when, you know, you have a a front office that kind of maps out, you know, a clear goal for where he wants the team to be. And, you know, the team's communicated in very various ways that, you know, we're building towards something, but, you know, we're not there yet. You have a roster full of guys that, you know, Dwayne Casey always says, you know, are still old enough to be in college. You know, I think people just kind of like, you know, players, you know, team personnel and whatnot, understand what the deal is. And, you know, as long as there's not a feeling of, oh, we quit, you know, or, or we don't care, you know, as long as there's purpose behind what you're doing and there's hope and an, an outline for uh, where you're trying to get. I think that helps a lot. Uh, you know, it helps when you have a guy like Kate, you know, who's coming in and he's making big plays as a rookie. You know, he puts up 38, I'm sorry, 34, 8, 8, 4 and 2, and, you know, before he even reaches the uh, you know, his 41st NBA game, you know, I guess the proverbial pathway point, uh, you know, and then you're just seeing growth from other guys. Hamid Odiallo's had a really great season. Uh, he came in at the deadline last year. You know, it's a big base, some really great strides. Uh, you know, Isaiah Stores continued to play with, you know, the type of injury energy you want to see from him. And even Killian Hayes, who, you know, I think has, you know, still struggled, but, you know, you still see him defending, you know, you still see him passing at a pretty high level. Uh, you know, he's still contributing I think that just kind of helps the team just push forward and you know and D- D- Dwayne too you know he came in and you know he was coaching the team that was trying to win games with Blake and Reggie and uh, Andre and you know now he's coaching a rebuilding team but you know he's been in this role before you know back with the Toronto Raptors so uh, he knows what the deal is uh, long story short you know I just think everybody's on the same page and, as long as everybody's on the same page, that makes it easier to stomach the losing. And it certainly makes it easier, too, when you're getting some wins, too, like they did against Cleveland. Well,
0: they're, they're, they've are they're shown the kind of competitive spirit in January that I think a lot of fans were hoping to see back in November, late October, that they saw a year ago to end the season, right? And so there was a little bit of a, a lag between that. And, and now that we're seeing that. But, uh, hey, listen, man, I know you got to go, Omari, and I really appreciate you joining us. I do have one more quick question. Carlos, I don't know if you know this. Omari is a, is a food guy. I'm not gonna call him a foodie. I don't like foodie, but he he. I don't know how much he likes to cook. He likes to cook, but he loves to eat and he loves to explore. And we had we had some good food in Vegas together, actually.
2: Uh, we did yeah. some of the best Thai food I've had.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I noticed you were at a place called Super Crisp recently in Detroit. It's in Detroit, right? Detroit proper. It is. It is. Uh, I think it's the same owners as the the folks that owned Ima or Ema. I can never say that properly. The the Udon place, the noodle place, in Corktown, and there's another one up north, but um. So what would you eat at Super Crisp and, uh, and 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 tell us about it real quickly before you go because we're trying to get we want to work some food in here every week right Carlos <laughs> that's that's one of our missions for the podcast yes it is and we've gotten away from that and that's my fault so let's let's get this going again
2: well there we go yeah so Super Crisp uh, yeah I believe it is they are the same owners and uh, I went to the one at Midtown which is actually right next door uh, to the I, I say Ima, maybe it's Ima, but you know, for those who don't know what we're talking about, it's spelled I-M-A. So, you know, do with that as you will. But uh, yeah, but, yeah, but Super Crisp is right next door uh, uh to Ima. And when I go to Ima, I always get their chicken sandwich. Like it's a, a noodle place, but they have a really good chicken sandwich. It's spicy, uh, you know, crispy. Like it's just, you know, it's a really good sandwich. So Super Crisp basically just takes that sandwich and it's like a slightly improved version of the chicken sandwich I Ima that is already a great sandwich. And it's just you can get it with a few more toppings. Uh I think the bun might be a little bit different, but uh like it was really, really good. Like I just got their spicy chicken sandwich. And uh like I would say it was better than the Ema chicken sandwich. But we're gonna talk about two great sandwiches. So if the one at Ema is like a nine, this one was like a nine point <laughs> two. Like it was like they're both great. So <laughs> well listen,
0: Omar, you, you would love to have you on again soon. You you can come on every week and talk about food with us if you want at the end of the show. Maybe we need to replace our favorite thing. I don't know. <laughs> Although Carlos, oh Carlos, likes to, to to get at least some guaranteed talk time. Just so a maybe bit. that's yeah, that's not a, such a good idea. Hey, Again, well done. Listen, yeah. All right, man. Well, listen, it was it was fun. Thanks for having us. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Um, I shouldn't say that because we're recording, and when this comes out, the Pistons will probably have beaten the New Orleans Pelicans. Can we can we say that? <laughs> maybe.
2: Yeah, we'll see. Well, after beating the Cavs on on Sunday, you would hope that. You can handle the Pelicans as well, but they also yeah, lost yeah. to the Magic last week. So, you know. as Carlos pointed out,
0: that's right. That's right. Well, listen, we got to let you go. Uh, I know you need to get to uh, get to the arena and, and go talk to the coaches and that sort of thing. So, we will talk to you soon, and we will, Carlos and I, will be right back. Hello,
3: I'm Phil Friend, the host and producer of Spartan Speak, a podcast collaboration between the Detroit Free Press and Lansing State Journal, focusing on Michigan State sports. Each week, I'm joined by the OGs of the MSU podcasting game freak beat writer chris larry and lsj sports columnist graham couch as we discuss and dissect the latest sports news coming out of east lansing not only is Spartan speak one of if not the longest running msu sports podcast out there you won't find a show with two people as clued into the spartans as chris and graham each of whom has spent a decade plus covering msu and bring years of institutional knowledge and insight to the podcast and once in a while they'll let me throw out a take as well Along with discussing the latest news, we'll break down the Spartans' last game in the hardwood and the gridiron. What went right? What went wrong? Jet sweep. Again? For both Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, get you ready for the next game, make predictions, and so much more. We can also guarantee at least one reference to Kalamazoo every podcast. So if you haven't already, download, subscribe, and listen to Spartan speak on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your podcast app of choice.
0: Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Uh, Carlos, you know I have two words for you, Tom Brady. I have two more words for you, Jim Brown. Oh, so he's the greatest of all time?
1: No, no, it's the, the you know the the great Dave uh, uh you know, who's happy to tell you he's a Hall of Fame voter. This, this the saying that they have when they vote for the Hall of Fame is whenever a player so great, the saying is Tom is Jim Brown to sit down because they don't have to say anything about their resume, and that's what's going to happen with Tom Brady and five six years whatever is class of twenty twenty seven, i believe Twenty twenty seven. yeah it'll yep. just be tom brady it'll be the easiest you know nobody will have to say anything we'll just all right skip go on so um yeah he's a lock he's amazing the greatest ever no, you know and we all saw it coming i know when you covered michigan back in the late
0: 90s you know i <laughs> you saw it coming i know you wrote several columns i'll find them one day yeah, I didn't know how to write a column back then. I mean, you could argue that I still well, don't. Still, yeah, 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 nothing's changed. Yeah, I, I, I still don't know. Okay, real quickly about Brady, because um, obviously he made it official earlier this week, on Tuesday, I believe it was, and after kind of leaked out over the weekend, and then he said, no, not yet, and you know he wanted to control it, and that's fine. Uh, here, my, my quick thought on this, and, um, and I have a question for you that's kind of related to this. I was at the Michigan-Michigan State basketball game when that news first broke on Saturday. And I got a text from my youngest son that said, Brady's retiring. And he followed that with how how bummed he was, how sad he was. And my, son, my youngest son is 22. So you can go back, uh, what, maybe 10 years of watching football. And he wasn't a Brady fan. He wasn't a Patriots fan. Like a lot of the country, you know, he sort of grudgingly respected him, admired him, hated him, didn't want to watch him, but couldn't not watch him all those things and then all of a sudden just completely fell in love with them the last couple of years absolutely fell in love with him. and I, and I wonder how many people are feeling that because when I, when I saw the news Carlos I was it's it's a, it's fun to watch greatness it just it just is no matter what it is and so I'm going to miss that but I kind of enjoyed him letting his hair down a little bit when he got to Tampa and I'm curious what you think Oh, yeah. You
1: know, it was it was always, you know, fun to watch him. And I, I like that he was very emotive. You know, he'd yell at other coaches, other players. You know, he wasn't a robot out there. Um, and my favorite thing about Brady was just that when I first got hired at the free press in ninety nine, um, we had a special section, a college football special section. I never forget. It was a it was an illustration and it was called the, the title of the defeat the. the the um cover story was the two-headed quarterback And it was going to be the season when Tom Brady and Drew Henson basically kind of split time as Michigan's quarterback and was like, oh, isn't this going to be interesting? You know, two pretty good quarterbacks and we'll see what happens. And and of course, anybody who remembers that time remembers Drew Henson was the local kid, the star. He was destined for greatness, possibly in baseball, possibly in football. Can't miss guy. Right. Tom Brady is this skinny kind of kid from Northern California who. You know, wasn't super highly recruited. Even thought about transferring to, I think, to Cal at some point during his Michigan career. Everybody overlooked him, 199th pick in the draft, almost undrafted. And I just love how Tom Brady is the poster child for people in the NFL don't really know what they're doing a lot of the times. It's it's true, you know, because you're not willing to you're not willing to think about. What is it that makes someone succeed? You're, you're, you get wrapped up in reputations, in combine numbers. And and this is why I had to I had to check young Omari was because one of the things that always bothered me about Stafford was strong arm. You know, like there's more to playing quarterback than strong arm and and even being smart all the time or seeming like you're smart. There's a lot more to it, you know, different in, you know intrinsic values that you have to have. And I think that general managers, a lot of times and teams, they just get caught up in who can we defend? Which draft pick can we just defend and say, this is the person who checks the boxes. And Brady didn't check the boxes. And he should have maybe not even had a career if Drew Bledsoe hadn't gotten hurt. So... Yeah, he's Rob Parker may have a point. He was maybe very lucky to kind of be in the position, but I think he would have found success somewhere. Some, you know, his his contract would have come up at, after his rookie deal. He probably would have gone somewhere else and been a free agent. And he probably would have had some success. I don't know if he would have won six Super Bowls, but you know, he would have had some success. I'm sure.
0: Yeah, uh, for, yeah absolutely. I mean, the thing about success too is when you have some you can use that success in different ways to have a different kind of success than you just had right so once he won those first three Super Bowls and I know it was a while before he won his fourth but he starts getting looked at so he so in other words by the time he goes to Tampa <clears throat> you know if he go if he goes as a 23 year old do they win a Super Bowl last year I, I you know I don't know that they do but part of the reason they won in Tampa last year is because he, he comes in as Tom Brady Right? So it's not just the, 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 th- the throws and decisions. I mean, that's a huge part of it. But it's also the way everybody listens and the way people gravitate and the seriousness. I mean, Bruce Arians, the Tampa coach, Tampa Bay coach, talked about, yeah, okay, what he does on the field is huge. But he changed our, the culture of our organization in, in like three months. I mean it, it, that's because of the legend that he built in New, in, in New England so it's it, it feeds itself that way
1: I think and especially in the NFL sometimes you know in all sports but in the NFL especially because you don't play that often you know we've talked to a lot of obviously the Lions try to recreate the Patriots magic we had a lot of former Patriots come through the Lions locker room who played with Brady I remember asking several of them um, the locker room by the way Sean is where you go to interview players who are, play for the team so it's an before in COVID Al- yeah. yeah it's an yeah, Allen Park for place you
0: haven't been in a couple of years yeah.
1: but yeah I remember yeah. <laughs> Dave but Dave kept would skewer both of us right now but uh, but yeah that's they we would ask him like what was it like to you know play with Brady and what was he like and whatever it was and you know um and the leadership aspect was a big part of it and I think people like him Peyton Manning Drew Brees guys like that I mean they bring so much more to that position than just playing well it's it's having this you know, um, example, this, this, this um, expectation that you got to live up to, you know, and you know, that, that matters and that matters. And you, you've got to be able to, to get on people, you know, in different ways. Some guys bark at guys, some guys are more, you know, like I'm going to put an arm around you, whatever it might be, but you got to be able to, to get people to, get in line and and all pull in the same direction and then one tiny little anecdote years ago when the lions played the the saints in the i think it was 2011 in the in the playoffs i went down to new orleans i spent the week down there and one of the most impressive things i saw was during the week in the locker room drew Brees walked around to every single person in that locker room had a had a little conversation with them just a little quiet conversation private between them two um and just like hey man Playoff games come and playoff times here. This is what we, you know, whether you're defense or offense or special teams, man, we got to do this. And he knew something about every player and what they needed to get to be their best. And that to me was this true sign of leadership. Something that I never really saw from Stafford was one of the things. And he, I don't expect him to have to be Drew Brees. But that's like the kind of thing I'm sure Brady did something like that as well. I'm sure Peyton Manning did something, maybe Aaron Rodgers, too. You know, that kind of like, man, this this matters. It's not just a paycheck. It's not just trying to win a game. This is about history. This is about legacy. So that's where Brady, I think, is going to be. Uh, you're going to hear a lot more stories as he's after after he retires about, you know, how we influenced players and success with the Patriots.
0: I would agree. Yeah, that, that that was good sneaking another shot in at Stafford there. Okay. Okay, what's your favorite thing, my man? You you get to, you start. You always start. So, let's do it. My favorite thing.
1: Um well it's it's nothing big. It's kind of weird, but uh we recently uh, a few days ago got invited to our good friend's house um to watch the Super Bowl, the little not a party, but just they've come over our house before to see the Super Bowl, and so we're going over there. Um, and I, this is the first thing. If if everything's okay, if nobody gets COVID or whatever, and there's if it's safe, you know, we've all been vaxxed and boosted and everything else. Um, and um, it's the first thing we'll have done with friends or any kind of outing. We don't go to restaurants, anything like that. Probably since. I want to say maybe thanks since ever? Thanksgiving. ever
0: <laughs> since Thanksgiving. I, I didn't know you had friends. I, I just have Just the one. I knew you, I knew your wife, your lovely <laughs> wife had friends, but well, they're her <laughs> friends mostly. Did. So yeah, I'm just tagging along. I, maybe I'm not
1: invited, Sean, but uh I'm going to sneak in anyway. So I'm looking forward to it um and watching Stafford and my my friend Jeff is uh he's he's somewhat of a I, I don't know if he's a hardcore Stafford fan is maybe not as much as you are but he's he's a he likes <laughs> Stafford you know and uh doesn't think he's perfect but he's rooted for him so it'll be kind of fun watching them you know
0: together I'll be maybe like low-key rooting against Stafford but uh it'll be it should be a fun day well that's that that sounds fun my favorite thing real quickly Carlos was um well being at the Michigan Michigan State basketball game it was my first event in a month I'd been uh laid low a little bit with COVID and um I got up there Saturday. It was just this past Saturday. I got up there to the East Lansing at the Breslin Center, and I walked in. <clears throat> excuse me, went in the press area, you know, set my stuff down, and then went out to the court. And it was pretty full and loud, and it 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 dis, it was disorienting at first. The noise. I guess I hadn't. Maybe it was just left over from the brain fog. I mean, you, you could argue I've always had that, right? I think we talked about that last week. <laughs> but uh, just that, that maybe it was a COVID brain fog, but I hadn't been at an actual event with that, with that many people in a, in a month. And, um, it took some getting used to the, just the oral sensations and the, in the movement of all those people kind of in my peripheral vision. But once I sort of settled into that, uh, you know, I thought, Hey, this is uh this is what we do. And, and, uh, and I've missed this. I mean, it wouldn't matter what sport it was, but, there, it's great because you sit on the court and you're at the bottom of this. All that noise, you know, it was a rivalry game, right? And it's really loud. And it was a it was a really entertaining game, especially in the first half. But but yeah, Carl's just kind of being back in that place. I hadn't seen uh, a lot of a lot of colleagues and coworkers and people you work with in this business in a, in a good while. And. And and that and that was nice. So that was my favorite thing. Do you do you get to sit right next to Tom Izzo or do you sit in the Izzo leading the cheers? No, no, I hold his I hold his
1: clipboard. I sit okay. right behind okay. him. Okay, that's what I figured. Yeah. No, you know what? you know what, Sean? I I've thought about that too. And um having gone to like Little Caesars or whatever and even the the NFL games. I know it's been a little while, but I think I I'm with you as far as I really have tried to cherish going to live events and being around the energy of the fans. Um, And it's, it's something that I, I don't know, maybe it'll wear off over time. We'll get used to it again, you know, as things normalize hopefully, but, uh yeah, every time I go, I think, man, you know, it was so and people, you know, I don't want to like, oh, poor us, you know, sports writers, we go to sports events, whatever. But it was weird. It was just chilling to like go to empty stadiums and there was no either piped in sound or no sound at all without fans. It was such a weird um uh unnatural experience that i really do i have looked forward to going to big things and breslin center is awesome i mean that is one of the all-time great you know sports venues in our state so i can i totally see it man i'm glad
0: you i'm glad you had fun yeah yeah it was just after being laid up for a while that was really the the, the big part of it you just don't you know you kind of you kind of take it for granted i know we've talked about this in relation in relation to covid shut down arenas but this was more i was kind of shut down didn't have the opportunity to do it and and I was grateful to be able to do it again. But uh, in any case, Carlos, it's uh, as always been a pleasure. It's been it's been fun. I hope you learned a little something about basketball from the great Amare. Oh, from the Sankofa. great no from the great Sean Windsor. And that, no, it was no, just, no, no, no. He was
1: just an excuse for you to talk about all everything you know about bounce passes and
0: pull yeah, up jumpers. And, and, and no, no, no. And hope and hopefully Marlo Alter, who's a talented young copy editor, uh, and who loves the NBA and does a good job when he when he does. Uh, you know, I don't want to say agate. That's that's an old. That's not the right <laughs> word. You know, yeah, no, 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 he, he doesn't even that, know what yeah. agate is. No, he doesn't. He he does a nice job of putting up web stories for us sometimes on the NBA. And he, you can oh, yeah. see you can see the enthusiasm in the words when he does it. I mean, he just he, he he loves it. Great headline writer, by the way. So no, hey Marlo, that's fine. You can make a suggestion anytime you want. We're not going to listen to it, but you can make a suggestion anytime you want. Hey, are we going to have to do a? Uh Chicken sandwich taste test. I had no idea Ima had chicken sandwiches, but is that that, going to be? Let's do that. And let's, yeah, we'll do that. And we'll bring one, uh, we'll bring Anjanette Delgado into that because we probably (laughs) ought to bring her a couple of chicken sandwiches now because we have not mentioned her. So this is not, oh my God, uh, am I going to have a job when she hears this? She's going to beat you to death with one of these chicken sandwiches, probably. You think so? Uh, Yeah, I'd probably deserve it. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe we did not right, mention Right, right
1: now, I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't had the Super Crisp. I haven't had the Ema. I've had the Popeyes. I, and you're going to hate me for this, Sean, but so far, Wendy's is the front runner for me.
0: No, I don't hate you for that. I'm not judging. Okay. It's okay. 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 Yeah, yeah. I'm not a big chicken sandwich guy because it's a breast, and I like dark meat, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah. um. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they use dark meat at Super Crisp or at Emo. I'm not sure. I don't think you can because it's got to be big. And that, that's my complaint about Popeye's is it's too big. It's like a half a
1: chicken sitting on there. Plus, it's really hot, too. It's really spicy, a little too spicy for me. I know you're
0: going to make a joke. I can't handle spice. I'm not going to say anything about that. I mean, it, <laughs> you're from Southern California and your parents are from Mexico, but I'm not going to say anything about that. <laughs> that, uh, that at all. That would be profiling, and I'm not going to do that. It's a nice. I like a nice mild vegan chicken sandwich, Sean. You like Applebee's? How about that? <laughs> Actually, I don't. But I have nothing against Applebee's. But no, I, Apple, I Apple, Applebee's is fine. And if you want to come sponsor us, hey, you know, come on. <laughs> we're we're uh, we you know yeah that's how we roll here right we have, we have principles in in theory yes absolutely yeah I okay. hope so. Okay, okay, there when our Applebee's sponsorship. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll I will get one from Milo. Yeah, no, no, no. Maybe we can we can promote their. Uh, don't they have like a happy hour deal and you get like ten appetizers for five bucks <laughs> or something? It's the Sean Windsor special, yeah. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, man. Once again, lots of fun. Look forward to doing it next week. It'll be you. You'll get to talk about Stafford the next couple of weeks. The whole time, if you want, I won't say a word i'm looking for you know we haven't talked about stafford in a while so yeah it'll be it'll be good okay. it'll be refreshing okay all right well good well listen uh y'all and uh and carlos can we th- can we thank Ted let's thank yeah. ted Ted yeah. davis our producer the man uh in the car heard beanie the man <laughs> with the facial hair the man who makes all this happen um who sits and listens to us prattle on and on and on? We uh, we can't not thank him enough. Enough. Let's uh, again thank Kirkland Crawford. Wow, that's twice we mentioned him today. That's probably uh, one too many. And uh, let's thank uh, Jeanette Delgado, who we did not mention enough. I, I think <laughs> she's, we can... she's not going to be happy. No, she's not. I, I'm I'm very fearful here. Um, I did write four times last week, on Jeanette, after I was out sick. So I hope that I hope that counts for something. <laughs> let's also thank Peter Bati, our executive editor. And, um, you know, the, the big guys, we call him here. I don't know if he likes that. He probably doesn't know. He doesn't listen to us. That's fine. He's too busy. <laughs> he doesn't know who we are. No, he, of course he doesn't. He, he, knows, who you, he knows who you are. He doesn't no, he know doesn't. He's got important news stuff to work to worry about, right? You can't worry about a couple of hacks in oh, yeah. the sports department. The, I mean, the, elections, the elections just are on the corner, so they're getting ready. Yeah, that's the, that's the real world. We're, we're, in the, we're in the toy shop here. In any case, yeah, uh, th- those are the folks that uh, behind the scenes that make all this possible. If you like the show... Um, you know, you can find us, uh, and rate us, subscribe, uh, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Uh, I hope, hopefully we're one of those, by the way, Spotify, Apple, um, you know, Hey, leave a few words, you know, again, I always say, if you don't like us, you know, you can tell us that's fine and Carlos will fix it. Carlos is the, is the <laughs> Mr. Fixer. In any case, uh, thank you for taking the time as always, and we will see y'all next week.